from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. You're listening to Behind the Message. Each week we take you behind what we teach here at Westside. I'm Ben Fleming. I'm Evan Earwicker, and we are here for the very first time live at Westside Church. Good morning. This is the 945 service, and they seem awake and alive. It's awesome. It's so, going to be so fun. Yeah, we're here with uh, Pastor Steve Mickle, the lead pastor here at Westside, and it is really great to be here and live with everybody today. So we are looking at uh, four of the most talked about messages from our past year here at Westside, and at this service, we're going to be talking about uh, one that got a lot of uh, interest called the Emotionally Healthy Life. And uh, just a little background to this, this is talking about some of the attributes of an unhealthy emotional life and what we can do to kind of continue in a maturity uh, as we look at our emotions. So I want to uh, start out by rolling a video clip that kind of sets up our talk from today. And this is from a message that Pastor Steve, you gave um, several months ago in our Emotionally Healthy Life series. Let's take a look. Let me ask you, have you ever known anyone, or maybe you met them this morning in the mirror, that, has, <laughs> that have huge mood swings? Have you know, do you know anybody that don't... Don't do that right now. That's not, this is not the time for that. Or maybe, maybe you met someone who always wants to do the talking and never the listening. Do you know anybody like that? Or what about people who are consistently trying to one-up you? Oh, don't those people just irritate you? Or what about people that always receive, never give, the ultimate moocher? Do you know people like this? Or maybe you are one of them. These are all characteristics of emotionally unhealthy people. Uh, emotional health, listen, is vital to every aspect of our lives. And as we launch this series on emotional health over the next few weeks, what I want you to get is this, that it is not possible to be spiritually mature while remaining emotionally immature. I like the beard, by the way. I think Thank it's you. a strong... Yeah, I was like, what happened to that? Who is that guy? Was that there? 20 years ago that you gave that message? You look so young. <laughs> I look fatter than me. I don't know what it is. I don't know why... Anyway, beards are a requirement. I didn't. (laughs) So it is impossible to be emotionally healthy and emotionally unhealthy and spiritually healthy. Talk to us about that, Steve. Yeah, I think when the church, especially, obviously, because we're kind of a spiritual uh, organization, uh, we we have a tendency to um, separate our spiritual health from our emotional health. Let me just ask you a question for those that are listening on the podcast and for those that are here live. Um, have you ever met a, a Christian who's emotionally unhealthy, but they think they're spiritually mature? every day, including <laughs> myself, all right? I mean, I, I think we separate this, our spirituality from our emotional uh, bandwidth, and I actually think Jesus was trying to merge those things together, uh, and certainly the Bible does. So is this a, this isn't a modern thing. This is something that Jesus, did he teach on it, or did he model it, or did he do both? I think he modeled it. I think that, that over and over, he was constantly uh, uh, talking about empathy and showing kindness and compassion and relating to others. Uh, he, was, uh, he wasn't like above our reality. He was in it, you know, and he wasn't like, oh, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the man of God. You know, and I know the answers to life's hardest questions. He was in it with us. And I think that, for me, at least when I look at the life of Jesus, I realize in his humanity, there's hope for me uh, to become more emotionally healthy uh, and mature, not just spiritually healthy. 
Yeah. So it's kind of an unconventional sermon topic. You know, you think of what people are going to be talking about at church, and it's, uh, you know, five steps to stronger faith and the power of God, and this is how the Holy Spirit moves. And even just the title, we're going to talk about the emotionally healthy life for five straight weeks at Westside. Uh, how do we come up with stuff like this? Why do we come up with stuff like this as the teaching team at Westside? Most of our messages are based on uh, biblical scripture. So if you look at our message throughout the year, it's usually close to 80 to 90 percent now of our messages kind of have a core uh, scripture passage, like we just got out of a, the Lord's Prayer uh, series, a series on the Lord's Prayer. So most of them are like that. The weeks after Easter, we intentionally, because we, we, we capture a lot of people during the Easter season, where capture, that's not the right word. Um, we, <laughs> no, that's absolutely the right we, word. We welcome a lot of people. We bag. We grab hold of. of. Yeah. You guys know what I mean. Uh, and so we, we welcome a lot of people during the Easter season, and, um, and we want to help connect them to something that's um, really, really practical in their everyday life. And so as we were thinking and praying through the series that would be following Easter, um, I read a book by Pete Scazzaro um, called Emotionally Healthy Life. He also wrote a book called Emotionally Healthy Leader, um, Christian guy that, that was trying to bridge the gap between spiritual maturity and emotional unhealth. And, um, and it really resonated with me and with our speaking team. And so we based the series on on his uh, writings and uh, brought a lot of scripture into it as well as a lot of science that that you know science and scripture don't don't um, like disagree I mean I don't know most people think they do but they That's don't good. and so um, we were able to bridge that as well and talking about who we actually are in our spirituality and in our emotional health so you read this quote from Steve Stein a few times during the the course of the sermon series emotional intelligence has to do with one's capacity to know your own strengths and limitations acknowledge your assumptions biases and belief, your ability to read the political or social environments you're in, to intuitively grasp what others want or need, their strengths and weaknesses. A lot of this wraps around the idea of self-awareness. Uh, can you speak to self-awareness just real quick, and, and how do we know that we're self-aware? Because that's kind of a that's kind of a, we all probably think we're somewhere, right? <laughs> well, ask, ask somebody that's close to you, you know, um, what, you know, how emotionally healthy are you? I do, I like doing scales of one to, one to 10. You know, there was a season where I asked my sons, you know, how angry is dad on a scale of one to 10? And I was hoping they would, you know, one being not at all, 10 being like you're off the hook. And uh, they scored me an average of seven. And I was like, Ooh, you're wrong. That's what, I'm going to go ask my mom, your mom now, and she agreed, and so I was like, okay, uh, I guess I wasn't as aware, self-aware as I thought, and, I, and that helped me to see a blind, you know, we all have blind spots emotionally um, that, we're, that we have assumptions that we make about um, why people do what they do, the way that we process um, other people's actions, et cetera, et cetera, that, that we just need to become more aware of. Self-awareness is the beginning point. I actually believe of both emotional health and spiritual maturity. It seems like sometimes we equate needing to work on this area of our lives with some sort of spiritual weakness. So if I'm not emotionally healthy, well, I just need to, you know, show up to church more, pray more. But sometimes it, it really is um, separate from just we need to be more spiritual. We need to be healthier emotionally, physically. Um, you've talked about meeting with your therapist, and I, I think it's... <laughs> Thanks for bringing yeah, that I, up. I, I wanted to bring I that really, up. really appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, let's in front talk of, about that. In front of a really... A lot it's of a bigger conversation. In fact, your therapist on. is here. We want to invite... <laughs> no, I'm just... <laughs> that would have been really... Your therapist uh, is texting with her, everybody. <laughs> so, and this is actually a question that just came in uh, via text. Is your, Steve, is your emotional health increased 
or decreased wall on the golf course? That's actually a good question. <laughs> Somebody actually brought <laughs> that, that in? Yeah. Uh, but in seriousness, since you preached this message... <laughs> Do you feel like you've, you've gotten better, or is somebody, this... Somebody I golf with has sent in that text. I'm sure <laughs> I can't of it. see a name. Sure yeah. <laughs> has that, my emotional health increased? Yeah, or not. Um, it's, really, I would ask, you know, my wife. Um, I'm not telling you to. I don't want you to do that. But I would... Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the answer to that is yes and no. Yes in that, in the overall scope from the point I preached this series to now, Yes. But this is a day-by-day thing. It's not like it's mm. not like we're trying to bell curve it or we're trying to get better and better and better. It's just every day is my interactions with those closest to me becoming healthier, uh, or are they are they staying unhealthy? And so for me, it's a day-by-day kind of awareness of it. And even doing the series causes us caused me to become better at this. I think just like pulling the the blanket you know, taking the blanket off and going, oh, maybe I'm not as healthy emotionally as I thought, actually increases your emotional health. Just that, nat- just that, you just, I'm, I'm aware now. Um, that helped a lot. And then I think intentionally leaning into it, reading books about it, um, studying the life of Jesus uh, in terms of emotional health, all of that helped, um, you know, move me in the right direction. I'm not there yet. I'm still in process. <laughs> so if you do ask my wife, uh, you'll know. One of, the biggest, uh, one of the biggest takeaways that I had from this entire series was this idea of trying to, trying to get rid of the lines between, all right, I've kind of got my church box over here, and I've got my home box over here, and then my dad box over here, uh, and really just trying to bring all these things together so they can all be mutually healthy, they can all be wrapped around uh, one thing that's, that's Jesus. Uh, can you speak to a little bit just uh, how we can get away from boxing everything up into other things because it really ends up generating this idea of, of we can put on this mask in each one of them and we can look good to everybody else even though we're totally broken down inside. Yeah, I'm, I'm really tired of that kind of stuff. I'm, I mean, I, I used to take a deep breath before walking into a crowd of people at a church service and, you know, put the smile on. That's just, that's... Brene Brown, if you want to learn more about emotional health, listen and read everything that she does. She's not a, I don't know if she's a Christ follower or not, actually, but uh, her stuff is amazing. And she talks about how you, if, you t- if you fake it or if you turn off certain emotions that you're experiencing uh, for just to look better or whatever, that eventually you'll become numb, emotionally numb. You won't feel anything. And, uh, and so I, I just decided I'm not going to, I'm going to try my best. I mean, it's still a day-by-day process for me to not fake it. To not like so 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 I've stopped asking the question when I see somebody for a second down you know walking down the hallway at work or at home or whatever and somebody says what do we ask them when you walk by how are you I mean so are we having a conversation now in the hallway do you really want to know <laughs> yeah. or is this so I I now say it's really great to see you because that's true and it is great to see you but if I don't have time for a conversation I don't because I think we are we generally push people to fake it. You know, by asking these questions that are actually really important questions to be asked in some context, but it's not in the hallway necessarily. You know what I'm saying? I mean, yeah. I, that's, just a, yeah. that's a, just a, a, a simple illustration of, of a bigger principle that I think we, we need to be real honest and authentic in our relationship. And how does that translate to Westside Church as a whole? Because we're, we're, we've been actively trying to do this as a staff. We've been trying to be open and honest and, 
and share what's going on in our lives. And, but how do we do that as a staff and even as a church outside of the staff? Because we're not trying to air all of our dirty laundry and we're not trying to say, what was me every single time we get on the stage? We're trying to lead something and do something. We believe that God is victorious. But how do we, how do we claim that God absolutely is victorious and we do believe that and say, this is the pain that I'm existing in right yeah, in this it's, moment? What I saw with Jesus is that he had a different way and when he was with the crowds than, than he had with his 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 close group of friends. So I would, I would say, in a church like ours especially, find a close group of friends, um, whether that's inside the church or in uh, your family or in work. Just find a group of people that you can be totally real with, like, like fully authentic. And if you can't find anybody, you know, like Evan said, go to a therapist. I have one, and I can be real, really real with him. Yeah. Um, but have a place, a space, um, because it's not here, right? I mean, we know that. It's not like as you're leaving, as people are leaving today, they're going to start, hey, how are you doing? That's probably the last question you're going to ask after I've said what I've said. <laughs> um, so, so let's not be, well, I'm just never, I've never asked that question anymore. No, fine. Make sure you're in relationships mm-hmm. with others that there's a space for that. I sat on my deck yesterday. Um, I was just sitting out there thinking about my son Chase, who um, passed away a year and a half, year and a half ago. And um, my one of my nephews just came out and sat down next to me, and just we talked. We talked for an hour. It was it was spontaneous. It was just this life giving thing to him and and to me. And it was it was the deeper stuff of life. Wow. You know, that, that we both have faced since, um, since his cousin died and my son died. Hmm. You talked about kind of some of the emotions that have uh, come to the surface since uh, you lost your son, Chase. Um, and we have a clip of that I want to show real quick. Since, since my oldest son, Chase, um, died, I've experienced, as you can imagine, a mountain of emotions that were buried under the surface of ministry and expectations and responsibility. You've all experienced similar things where you just realize, man, I didn't know I was feeling this way. I didn't know I had issues unresolved deep down. And for years, listen, for years, I was pretending rather than being vulnerable and honest about who I am and what's really going on. Very few of us, if any, emerge out of our families of origin emotionally whole or mature. None of us do. We all carry with us into our adulthood things from our past and that, that impact our emotional health and relationships with ourselves, with God, and with each other. And we have to be aware of this. We have to face our shadows. Scazzaro writes, when we deny our pain, losses, and feelings year after year, we become less and less human. We transform slowly into empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. Empty shells with smiley faces painted on them. <laughs> like, wow. We look, like we're yeah. an emoji. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, and I think, uh, and several people have mentioned in the comments right now, just the role of social media and how I think most of us, we want to portray our best side with the best filters and the best lighting out when people see it. And that can be uh, really damaging when we all are comparing ourselves, I think someone said it this way, to everyone else's highlight reel. Yeah, you know, but I also don't want social media to become the opposite. Let's all just be really real on social yeah. media. And you know, I, just, I, I mean, I, we don't have the bandwidth for, to care for, to help 
um, the thousands of people that we know through social media, right? Yeah. And so social media is an interesting dynamic when it comes to emotional health because you're right, Evan, we do put on, we put on the best of ourselves. But I would, and so that, it's a tough, social media is a tough place to become emotionally healthy. <laughs> I don't think you can on, on social yeah. media. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I remember posting on, I'm not on Facebook anymore. Um, I, 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 I am, but it's one-sided because I only post, I don't respond. Um, and, and so I feel kind of bad about that. Actually. That makes a lot of sense I now. feel really bad about that. I feel really Gosh, bad about that. I'm sorry, Ben. Dang it. But I, you don't text. You don't email me. <laughs> he emails me. I don't know what your problem is, Look, Ben. This but... is why I want to talk about emotionally healthy. <laughs> so sorry, they got this really deep This is what the podcasts are every single time <laughs> I do them. Is, anyway, I, I found that I was posting to get affirmation. And um, that starts to get unhealthy because then all of a sudden um, everything is about me and, and what I'm thinking and what I'm feeling. And I found that even through the, our tragedy that we've experienced, it's in the other. It's in the reaching out um, and having empathy and care for another that I am actually becoming more healthy yeah. emotionally. Yeah. And so I think, I think social media, is, it can become just that one side. I'm just looking for affirmation, um, whereas real life is I want to be there for uh, another person. Yeah. And this uh, person asked this question, how do we strike the balance be- between having self-awareness without becoming self-focused? That was really good. Yeah, really good. Again, I think that this is, answers that question is, is care for the others. Eyes wide open. Yeah. You know, I, I had no idea, you guys, I had no idea that there were so many people who have lost a child in, huh. in our congregation. Wow. Let alone in our city. And yet when we went through what we went through, all of a sudden we started seeing and hearing and meeting people. And the temptation is to go, I don't have enough emotional health for them. And, and I'll tell you, one of the reasons that, that drives me to have emotional health is so that I can be there for the other, especially those that have maybe gone through similar things that, that I've gone through. When it comes to this idea of facing our shadow, which is uh, something that has maybe we've taken on that we didn't know we took on that is a, is a problem, something from our past, something from our upbringing or, or whatever. Uh, I think what I noticed about myself when we talked about facing our shadow is that, oh my gosh, I think there's some things in my life that I've always just kind of chalked up to, this is my personality. Like this is just kind of who I am and you, this is a part of me you need to deal with. And instead when the blanket comes off of it, so to speak, to go, oh my gosh, this is a shadow and this is actually a problem. Um, have you encountered anything like that kind of through this process? Where no, before I'm, you've I'm been actually like, really healthy, Ben. Well, that's I good. Don't know. I don't know about you, but it's, yeah, well, I'm, I'm, I'm I know, good. I know about him. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, this is not fair, you guys. <laughs> we do. We, we, we do make excuses, um, and I don't actually blame that. Uh, I, don't, I, don't, I think it's, it's not going to lead us to health, but I understand because um, to kind of peel back the layer, the surface layer of our lives and look deeper is really scary and potentially painful. And we have to ask questions that we're uncomfortable with um, or allow others to ask them of us. And so I think we just, we just prefer to put the veneer on. Hmm. And yet what I'm finding now is that if I live long enough with a veneer, I don't actually know how to live deeply with anyone. And... um, and you begin to lack intimacy with those that care the most about you, um, the veneer. And, and I've seen this um, 
with even with my children the the I, I've 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 covered over my pain so often. And this was not just after Chase died, it was even before that. I found that just looking back, I've covered over so much pain in my life mm. because I didn't want to deal with it um, that I, I lack intimacy in relationships. And, and then there's times where I've been tempted to, to um, numb that pain um, through other things um, that are unhealthy. And I think that taking the veneer off uh, gives us permission to be real uh, with ourselves in, in, in an environment that's safe, right? Um, and uh, in a place in relationships that are safe. Um, and that has brought more wholeness and health to my life and my relationships. Am I there yet? No. But I would say that I am more open uh, and intimate. That's a, yeah, that's a funny word, but that's the word that comes to mind with my family mm. and my closest friends. I think the question becomes then for many of us, how do we find that community or those relationships that are safe? You know, it's, for some it's easy, you know, they're surrounded by friends and family and intimacy and, and there's an opportunity to be that way. But for some are saying, I want that. I would love to find community like that, but I don't know where to start. So where, where do we start to find that community? You start with your family. You start with the nucleus of the people that are already around you, in my opinion, the family, uh, if you have close friends, if you have coworkers that you uh, that you are with that you feel like there could go deeper in relationship, but if there if none of that's available, every time we do blue groups here, we do a six week thing twice a year where we encourage people to get involved in blue groups, and there there's tons of open groups. Just taking a step into one of those groups hmm. prayerfully. Um, and seeing if God might orchestrate a relationship out of that, a serving together. Um, I see people all the time that didn't know each other. They start greeting at the door together, and all of a sudden, you know, three years later, they're best friends, you know, and they do other stuff together on the side. So I think finding opportunities to serve, to be involved in groups here um, is a great way. Um, to uh, and and again, you, you have to be careful too because if you go into those things like I got to find a friend, I got to find a friend. <laughs> you're like people just like. Uh. <laughs> um, but if you go in there with an open hand, I'm like yeah. God, I just I, I I want relationship. Would you orchestrate it? It's pretty amazing to see how His hand works in that. And it might take two or three runs at it, right? You mm. might get in one group and go like I don't know anybody and I don't relate to connect with anyone. Find, you know, try out another group or try a, a different serving opportunity. Um, and and those are w- great ways. Uh, serving, I serve. Uh, I started volunteering on a tennis team uh, with my when my sons were in going through tennis, and I didn't know Josh Cordell very well, the head coach at Summit, uh, the boys' tennis team. And now we're we're going to be lifelong friends now. And he's one of the guys that I can actually share really openly with. Um, and that wouldn't have happened if I didn't take a step to maybe volunteer uh, just to help with one of my sons' teams. So yeah. you just never know. You just eyes wide open. And that's interesting because you of all people have hundreds of people that would probably love to sit down, talk, have coffee, and yet you're still seeking out meaningful relationships, even beyond just what people are asking of you. Is this proactive? Thing? Yeah, you got to be proactive. I mean, the people that want to spend time with you gener- sometimes want something out of you, from you. Yeah. So the relationships, uh, and this would be true for anybody, I think, the relationships you want to seek out are those that you want to, be, you, you, you're in it not just for yourself, but for them, and they're in it not just for themselves, but for you as well. Um, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's, 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 it's both and, it's a give and take, it's, a, it's I'm not just here because I'm needy, and I need something from you in relationship, I'm here because um, for some reason God's put us together, and I want to be a contributor in your life, just like you're a contributor in my life. Yeah, 
That's good. In your message, you talked about not, uh, you talked about getting healthy, moving toward healthy and not getting better. What's the thought process behind that statement? Oh, it's the whole fix it thing. We're so good at fixing things in, you know, in our country. We fix cars and we fix marriages and we try to fix our lives and we try to fix this and that. And I've realized, man, that's, that's, that's tiring. I just like, you know, and I don't, but I'm not satisfied staying where I am. Right. But I also don't, you know, I don't want to be like tooling on myself, you know, every single day. That's exhausting. Um, and so for me, it's just a growing awareness that I, I, have, I have room to grow, um, and I'm going to lean into that, but I'm also not going to get just stuck in, I'm so bad, and I'm not yeah. going to get any better. And um, So not too much self-reflection, but just enough to get you going on the road and, and to read some stuff, to meditate on some things, and get you moving in the right direction um, is good. Yeah. Uh, we have a lot of questions coming in. Um, a couple have come in about kind of the political climate and how we navigate when those things are happening around us that are very divisive and, and polarizing issues affect our emotions, but because of that polarized environment, we don't feel free to maybe have open discussions. I think probably most of us around Thanksgiving, like, what don't you bring up? Politics. You stay away from politics at Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner, right? So what happens when you're feeling the weight emotionally of what's going on in our world, but don't feel like there's room to bring well, it up. Well, we have so many great models uh, in the world of emotional health, don't we? Yeah, so many. <laughs> <laughs> so do the opposite. We go the other direction and listen before you talk. Ask questions before you give answers. I, I think, and that's just in any relationship. Uh, seek to understand the other rather than being understood. I, I just think we, we have to change the narrative. It's not my way or no way. It's I'm, I want to understand why people believe a certain way, not so that, oh, I can get a better argument, right. because they're made in the image of God, and their, their idea matters to the scope of humanity. Mm -hmm. It matters. And so why wouldn't I, as a fellow human, want to understand their perspective and why, why they have it and where it came from? Um, I'm better for it. My ideas will be better for it. Um, and, I, and I'm not worried about, like, losing my way. <laughs> now I don't know what to believe. I mean, you know, but it's, it's it, 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 we live in such a wonderfully diverse world that God created that way, you know? Let's lean into it rather than, you know, drawing dividing lines between uh, the, the, those that, that think they know what's right and those that we think don't know what's right. Yeah, that's good. Uh, another thing that has uh, come up here on the questions, and let me find it here. Um, a couple of people just saying um, how they also lost children through this, and it, it brought up this thought um, that as you've walked through this in a very public way, and even on these these topics of emotional health and 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 being okay with who we really are, not the veneer, it gives permission, I think, to a lot of us to be real with where we're at. Yeah, and you don't have, and, and please don't do what I've done, and like, I'm going to tell as many people as possible, and <laughs> God's given this, this platform, right, to, and so I, but be real, you know, if you own a business, um, and, 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 you're, and you're being a jerk, sit down with your employees and talk to them about why. Maybe there's something going on, you know, I mean, there's, there's ways to move into transparency, yeah in smaller ways than maybe what I've modeled, but I, I, I just, I think it's super important that we move in that direction, um, carefully, 
and with wisdom, but we move in that direction. Because I, 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 know, I know for a fact that if you keep running from the realness that's going on in your life, whether it's the pain or the joy, mm. um, and you keep running from that, eventually you will become numb. Have you gotten any negative feedback from that? Anybody that's come up and been like, this would be kind of harsh, you know, but like, look, Steve, I understand that this is what you're walking through, but here I'm just trying to go to church and I'm tired of hearing about this or I don't really want to talk about it anymore. Has there, has there been any? Because I think sometimes that's the fear that we have, that we don't want to talk about it because people will, will give us the cold shoulder or reject us in some way. Nobody has been that I've heard. <laughs> have you heard of anybody? Uh, I Facebooked you about it earlier. And, um... No, I haven't. I think, um, I, I think there's probably a little bit of reticence to talk to me sure. in, in my pain. Um, and, and that actually shows a level of emotional health, just that, that fact that maybe people are sensitive to that. Yeah. Um, but by and large, Ben, it's been very positive awesome. what, what the people have texted the yeah. saying. It gives us permission. Yeah. Um, and we've got to navigate this. And I'm still learning, right? I'm still learning about what to share, when to share it, who to share it with. Um, but I love that process. Um, and uh, as, if you can find a safe environment to do that, and it just it releases so much. I was, um, after Chase died, I, I got connected. It was kind of before Chase died, but I was already connected to Shepherd's House, a local mission here. Um, and I got together with men who were really suffering and struggling, and there was open, honest conversation. And you know their response was? This is their standard response, because guys share a lot of their stuff, and they, this is their response. And you, you can't fix it. You can't give advice. This is what they say. This, this, thank you for sharing. I know how to love you better. Wow. That's the first thing out of their mouths before any other conversation. And I love that. I just like, I want, I want to live that way yeah. where I just understand you better now. And that helps me to love you okay. even more. Because it's hard to not just want to jump in and fix it. Oh, absolutely. Or it's avoid so it altogether because you don't know what to say. Yeah. You know, but yeah. saying that, now I know how to better love you. That's great. Uh, last question here. Uh, it's a very serious one. Uh, what does your T-shirt say? Someone asked. Yeah, thanks. It's not it, it's not that crazy revolutionary from South America. It says more cowbell. Um, during holiday weekends, yeah, come on. During holiday weekends, I wear this in honor of Chase. Chase was in a band called Corner Gospel Explosion, and he was his best instrument. He was most talented at it. He could play other ones, but was the cowbell. Yeah. And uh, they did a sketch based on the Saturday Night Live sketch uh, that this shirt is from. And so, anyway, that's great. <laughs> he, 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 he was this guy. If you've seen the sketch, that was my son, Chase. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, hey, our time is up for this service. We're going to keep doing different messages, talking through different messages at the next two services with Pastor Bo. So if you do want to uh, stick around and hear those, you're welcome to. The more popular messages. The more popular messages, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, you can get this podcast anywhere on podcast apps or at our website, behindthemessage.org. And other than that, uh, that concludes today's podcast. Thank you for being here. It means such a good audience. Yeah.